Why are you talking to me like this? Oh, I thought. I just cracked open the back door of my house one afternoon in early March 1997. I heard my wife Mary asking that question. She sounded pissed and confused. She never sounded pissed and confused. Mary is blonde, kind, demure, and quiet. She's steady. I liked her when we first met because we didn't argue. We had conversations. I didn't do that with anyone else I knew, ever. My entire life, from the time I was born to the first and only professional job I've ever had producing The Howard Stern Show, has been built around chaos and confrontation. But Mary's world was full of happy, respectful people who treated her well. It had never occurred to her to ask, why are you talking to me like this? Because no one ever did. I never asked, because that's all anyone did. Someone on the phone was yelling at her, and she was confused. Genuinely very confused, as if she didn't know the person on the other end of the line. The truth was, she didn't. At least not really, but I did. I knew who Mary was talking to the second I opened the door. It was my mom. My beautiful, warm, fierce, absolutely 100% certifiably crazy mom, Ellen. You know that movie Misery with Kathy Bates, where she plays the nutjob who kidnaps James Caan and breaks his ankles with a sledgehammer? There's a scene where it's raining, and Kathy Bates' character looks uncommonly sad. Sometimes when it rains, I get really blue, she says. Well, blue was my mom's favorite word when I was growing up. Feeling blue, having the blues, bad weather, an argument with one of her six brothers and sisters, or a perceived slight from a neighbor could trigger it. When she felt fine, she could gab all day long in a voice that sounded like Mary Tyler Moore with a Brooklyn accent. But if I asked her a question, and her answers were short and curt, or just a simple yes or no, that meant trouble. I knew a storm was brewing. It would lead to days and days of feeling blue, causing her to sleep in all morning because she'd spent most of the night pacing or screaming or both. She was clinically depressed. Only no one knew to call it that at the time. Early on, when Mary and I started dating and got married, I did a good job of hiding my mom's instability. It wasn't too hard. She could be as tender as she was unhinged. When I was growing up, she'd buy random gifts to keep around the house and pass out to my friends when the mood struck her. But those friends had also seen her end phone calls she didn't like by slamming the receiver down five or six times. Bam, 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 bam. And then walk into her room, throw the door closed, and let out a holy ear-piercing scream. They all understood how hot and cold she could run. In high school, my friend Frank said to me, you know your mom's crazy, right? I said, yeah. Then he said, but she's your mom. He knew what the score was. My dad was an ice cream salesman, normal as can be. My mom was, well, not exactly normal. Frank and I laughed about it. I just shrugged my shoulders as if I were raised in a 70s sitcom. After Mary and I were married, and then especially after we had our first son, Jackson, shielding her from my mom became pretty much impossible. Sometimes I would take the phone in my room and hide so Mary wouldn't hear me talking my mom down. It started to create a little trouble between us in a way that wasn't all like living in a sitcom. And it came to a head that day in March, nearly five years after we were married. As mom yelled at Mary for God knows what, I knew there was no more hiding it. That call was followed by one from my older brother, Anthony, which ended in the two of us having a fight. And then came a call from my dad, which also ended in a fight. And finally, there was one more call from my mom, which, yep, ended in a fight. When the calls finally stopped, Mary looked at me and said, your head is so f***ed up over your mom, you have to go see someone. Mary was the one pushing me to see a shrink, and that really meant something to me. I don't think she's ever really believed in therapy, but I do. With a family like mine, I thought about therapy a lot, and it didn't frighten me at all. Everyone needs help at times. 
Howard and Robin talked about their own experiences in therapy plenty of times on The Stern Show. Plus, I'd lived in New York for a long time. Almost everyone I knew was seeing a psychiatrist or went to a support group. My close friend Patty had always told me that seeing a shrink was a fantastic experience because you can get someone's complete attention for 50 minutes and they put your thoughts into perspective. I always liked the way she described it. But Mary telling me to get help was the push I needed. That's not to say it didn't freak me out. If my skeptical wife wants me to go, I must be acting really crazy. First, I had to find someone. I had heard through the grapevine about Alan, a therapist that a good friend of mine and some people I knew in the music business had seen. The lead singer for a band I liked went to Alan, too. I felt like he was the shrink to the industry. That was cool. And when I called him to make the appointment, he sounded like a regular guy, not someone playing Freud in the movies. I felt as though I could talk to him and he'd be straight with me. As soon as I made the appointment, I thought to myself, now it's on, the adventure begins. I was a little bit nervous, but mostly I'd been so distraught I welcomed the change. I can only describe it as how I feel when I am sick and I make a doctor's appointment and I know that after I see the doctor, I will feel better. I saw this as the antidote to what ailed me. If this went well, I was going to be feeling better. I was excited. Two weeks later, March 24th, 1997, I had my first appointment. 